Hello and welcome to the Island Stories podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Hadfield. Three years ago, I came home to the island and started a new life, which really got me thinking. Each and every one of us living here has an island story. Last season on the podcast, we spoke to some wonderful guests, each with an extraordinary story to tell. And this year will be no different. So let me introduce this week's guest. The Garlic Farms Managing Director, Natasha Edwards. Born and raised on the island, she travelled the world for work before settling down here with her husband and children and taking over from her parents running the family business. Hey, Natasha, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Well, the first question, and we always ask it on the podcast, very simply, why the island? Well, I suppose if I thought about it at all, then I would have realised that this was completely obvious that I was going to end up back on the island. As I was growing up and as I got to be a teenager, I remember thinking that I never wanted to live on the island for work or for a career. I had other aspirations. And then I remember feeling as I was at university that I didn't ever want to live in the UK, let alone the Isle of Wight. <laughs> then having explored the world, uh, realised that the Isle of Wight's not such a bad place after all. And so happy to be back here. Happens to so many. You hear it from so many people. Never thought we'd be back. And here we all are. Uh, I have to have a disclaimer here because I'm good friends with Tash, uh, which is always lovely to interview someone that I'm really good friends with. I've actually known your husband much longer. I've known him all my life. He was best friends with my brother when they were little. Um, so a good family connection there. But just tell us your island family now. Who are you living with? Where are you living? So my husband and I and our two children live very close to the garlic farm. We are in New Church and we our daily life is in and around the garlic farm with the rest of the family. So two kids going to school locally? So Arlo and Freya go to the Island Free School, fantastic school. Oh wow, down in Ventnor? Yes. You were educated here, so where did you go to school? So started off in the local primary school in Newchurch, which is where Arlo and Freya ended up going. And then Upper Chine, as it was then. And then that merged with Ride School. I finished up at Ride School, so 100% on the Isle of Wight. Now you grew up on the garlic farm. What was that like? Because it was, you know, your father, Colin Boswell, started um, planting garlic just around the time you were born. That's right. So my parents, they moved to the Isle of Wight after they'd met at university and they came to join my grandparents in business. And my grandparents at the time had a mixed farm and my grandfather had started growing sweet corn, which at the time was quite a new crop and something that was not really well known in the UK, but he was making a success of that. And my dad wanted his own a new crop to introduce I suppose and my grandmother had been growing garlic in her kitchen garden realized that it grew quite well my dad had spent quite a lot of time in France uh, mum and dad are big francophiles uh, and fans of you know Mediterranean and French cooking and you speak fluent French as well don't you yes yeah. I lived in France for for quite a long while so uh, we are yes a family of francophiles I'd say uh, so <laughs> garlic Garlic became an obvious choice to try as a crop. And at the time, um, if you remember back to when we were younger, 
garlic was really not well known. It was something that was rather unusual and exotic. And I remember being at school and um, my friends would come back and we'd play at the garlic farm and go into the fields and we'd pick up some of the garlic from the ground and we'd say, try this. And they had no idea what it was. And we used to play tricks on our friends and get them to try more garlic. And what did they think generally? Oh, they spat it out, thought it was disgusting. <laughs> there was a lot of rhetoric at the time about, you know, garlic being a smelly foreign food and <laughs> things have changed a lot <laughs> since then. They have. It sounds like quite an idyllic childhood, though, growing up on the farm. Oh, it was amazing. So I've got four siblings. We all grew up uh, in the house that mum and dad still live in at the garlic farm where the restaurant and shop now are. But when we were younger, there was no uh, shop or restaurant there. It was just a collection of farm buildings and it was just us really. And so, yes, we had the, the run of the place and we uh, were a good family unit hanging around in the mud. How much do your two kids enjoy playing in the farm, being part of the farm? How much do they help you out? They really love it. They love uh, the whole farm life. Sometimes say to them, you know, do you remember living in London? Because we lived in London for the first five, six years. And they absolutely cannot imagine living anywhere else. Uh, they adore it. They spend a huge amount of time with the rest of the family. My brother and his wife also work in the business uh, and their children are around a lot. Um, and my parents, it's a really um, incredible space to be in. Now, you also brought Barnes back with you mm -hmm. to live here. I mean, he's no stranger to the island. His family also from That's the right. island. So That's right. When you got married, it was a proper sort of uniting of two big island families. Was it an easy decision to come back with him? Oh, absolutely. I, at the time, we were spending a lot of time in the car. Every, anybody who lives in London but loves the Isle of Wight uh, mm. will recognise the Friday night drive down to the Isle of Wight. Down taking, the A3. <laughs> exactly, taking <laughs> the ferry, having to get the children, wake them up um, to take them out and and then the Sunday night uh, miserable drive home. So we were doing quite a lot of that, travelling down to the Isle of Wight to um, well Barnes was doing a lot of sailing at the time and so we were travelling down a lot to do that to visit my family and Eventually, it was so obvious that we needed to move down here. You mentioned sailing, and I know that's a big part of your island life, isn't it? What is it that you guys get up to as a family? Well, we have a small family boat that we really love spending time in, and that has been a regular activity for us as the children have grown up. And to be clear, this is not a fast boat. <laughs> no, 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 it's called a Drascom Lugger. Yeah. Uh, it's all in the name. Uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful um, sailing boat, and uh, yes, it is slow pace, and it's for pottering around the coast. So we go and potter around Seaview. <laughs> what other ways do you potter around the island? Well, Barnes is hugely into cycling and I am in, into cycling as well, not in, in such a big way as him. I've but been on a bike ride with you. You, you were, have, you were yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah, so cycling, <laughs> running, um, uh, spending time in the water in whatever form that takes, surfing, swimming, so uh, lots of outdoor activities. Uh, another thing that you're really good at that might surprise people is singing. And you've just given me a piece of news that I'm so impressed about. Just uh, just tell us what you're going to be doing at Easter. 
Well, I, I'm rather nervous to announce this because this is totally out of the blue. Uh, but my daughter and I have just been cast in The Sound of Music with the Island Savoy Arts. So, um, what's the part you've got? Uh, the Baroness. Um, Isn't Elsa she the rather glamorous one? She is. This this is making me feel very mother. nervous and daunted <laughs> at the prospect, but also very excited to be on the stage with my daughter. It'll be great. And it'll fun. be in Shankly. Yes. Okay, well, we are definitely all coming to watch. That sounds completely amazing. Another thing about your island life that I wanted to ask you about, because I know it's really important to you, is we're, we're here, we're recording in um, Tasha's beautiful farmhouse that your granny used to live in. And you've got Ukrainian family staying with you as well. How long have they been here? So Vyacheslav and Irina came to us at the beginning of September. So for quite a few months now. And they drove here from Ukraine and it was a very easy decision to make to do that really I, I just felt strongly that it was just something that we could do we're very lucky to have the space to do it uh, it was something that you know we spoke about as a family the children were on board and so they arrived and they have become part of our family I'm so fond of them uh, they have had a terrible time obviously uh, but they are so stoical. They are so still full of joy and appreciation for, for life. And uh, it's been an incredible experience to have them here. It's a daily reminder of how fortunate we all are. And did you have to go through quite a big process to, to have them come? I mean, how did it all work? Funnily enough, not really. I, I filled in that sort of government form, which uh, didn't actually match families. But then I joined a group, I think it was on Facebook, uh, and I filled in a Google form uh, with some information about what kind of accommodation we could provide and you know, our family set up. And somebody called me and there was a few false starts. We had some people who were going to come and then didn't. And to be honest with you, I, I, I wasn't really 100% sure that it was ever going to happen. And then we met Slava and Irina on a Zoom call. And then they went off saying they were going to go try and get visas. And so I kind of forgot about it for a while thinking, well, maybe it won't work out. And then they called me from Calais. Oh, wow. And they were on their way. So uh, then they arrived here with a car full of incredible Ukrainian gifts, <laughs> all of these homemade chutneys and pickles and relishes. And yes, she's an incredible cook. So oh, well, she fits in pretty well here. Yeah. Then. yeah. I want to talk to you a bit about garlic. We'll talk more about the farm um, a little bit later in the episode. But um, you've written three books on garlic which is just amazing I've got them here so the goodness of garlic the garlic farm cookbook I mean this one's got 40 amazing immune boosting recipes about garlic I never imagined you could make 40 different dishes based around garlic what what made you want to write these books Tash? Well, having grown up on a garlic farm, uh, when I was in London, I just had the children and I'd stopped doing my other jobs. And I was looking at how I could get, you know, more involved in the family business uh, and also looking at what the business needed. And it, it became so apparent that we needed to write down all of these amazing recipes that we collected as a family to write down how, you know, all of our knowledge about how to grow garlic, how garlic is good for your health. Uh, so 
started off as that really collating all of this information into the garlic farm cookbook which is something that was a self-publish I um, I did it with the help of a couple of amazing friends in London and we pulled all of this information photography together it was a great thing to do and then a publishing company um saw the book uh, i think they must have been visiting the isle of wight one of the um one of the team from um, kyle books and contacted me and said can we commission you to write another book about garlic and so uh hence came the next book it says in one of the back covers, uh, Natasha has planted, harvested, platted, smoked, pickled, potted, tasted and treated all in the name of garlic. And her passion for this incredible plant has remained undimmed. It's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. it is a passion of yours, isn't it? The, the bulb. It is. It feels like it's such a huge part of my life. Growing up on a garlic farm, you know, being so much part of the family business, we couldn't escape it. It was it, you know, not that we would have wanted to, but it was right there. It was the backdrop of our lives. It was part of our daily lives and it still is. And we are so uh, grateful to this amazing plant. It, and it is an incredible plant because it spurs conversations. It's mysterious. It can do so many things. It can taste so many different ways. What are its healing properties? That's what I want to know. Yeah, so one of my books went into quite a lot of detail about that. So I managed to, you know, garner all of this incredible information, scientific, anecdotal, all sorts of things. And there's a massively long list of things that garlic can do for your health. But to, to wrap it up, it's amazing for cardiovascular health and immune boosting. So uh, both of those things, if you eat garlic regularly, and the main thing to remember is that you can't just be ill and then eat loads of garlic and then get better. It doesn't really work like that. If if you keep a regular intake of especially raw garlic or as raw as possible garlic, then uh, it can have a huge impact on your immune system and your heart health. It's got a bad rep, though, for sort of making your breath. I mean, my mum always used to say you can't eat garlic before you go to the dentist. Is that a thing? I'd say it's definitely a thing for some people, yes. <laughs> and what happens in your family if you don't like garlic? This has never happened. <laughs> Not been put to the test. No one dare say they don't like garlic. The kids are okay with it. Oh, they love oh, it. Good. I mean, who doesn't like garlic bread? Uh, yeah, no, nobody. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Let's go back then to life before living here. You studied at Oxford University. So what was that like going from the Isle of Wight to Oxford? Oh, it was incredible. I th I've just recently been back to Oxford for the Oxford Real Farming Conference. And I think as you get older, you realise how incredibly fortunate you are to have done these amazing things. But even at the time, going to Oxford was a, a, a dream that I had um, from quite a young age, really. I, I think I'd been to Oxford and seen it and thought, I want to go there. And then I was incredibly um, fortunate to have great support from my teachers at school on the Isle of Wight and uh, managed to get a place there to study economics and management. Was that unusual? I think I was the only one from my year at school to go to Oxford. I was another friend of mine who went to Cambridge. It wasn't unheard of, but, you know, it wasn't hugely common either. Yes. It was something to celebrate for sure. Yeah, something quite special. You studied economics and management, which I guess now makes a lot of sense in terms of what you do. Um, but you then had a whole life before you came back to the island, a whole working life, mm. and went to Paris, mm -hmm. spent four years in Paris. So what were you doing there? 
So I went to Paris because I thought after university, I thought I've got to have an opportunity to work on my languages. And I thought I'll go and um, see what Paris has to offer as well. So I was thinking I would go for a few months and then come back and start my career and get a proper job. So I went to Paris and I totally fell in love with it. I worked in a couple of quite informal jobs in, you know, bars and things, and then ended up getting a job working for a very small niche uh, legal telecoms consultancy. It was uh, very specialized, but allowed me to travel to Africa a lot, which was amazing as well. How many African countries have you been to? It's something astonishing. Oh, I, gosh, I, I haven't added them up lately, but probably, you know, a dozen or so. Yeah, much more than most of us could uh, could even imagine. You then moved to London before taking another job mm. where you basically spent six months in a different country mm-hmm. each time. So all over the world. Yes. So that was in media. I was putting together special feature reports and so would go into the country with another with a colleague and we would stay there for up to six months um, interviewing and researching um, and pulling together our report. And then it was back to London where you got married to Barnes. Yeah. And uh, had your two children. Yeah. And then time to come home. What was it that triggered time to come home? Well, like I said, we were we were we were very much enjoying London life with the young young children. I, I think it was still it was a great place to be when they were tiny, uh, but as they were growing, we were living in a relatively small flat. Um, you know, Barnes uh, had an amazing job as a creative di- director in a product design company, but we could see that the lifestyle was going to be better for us on the Isle of Wight. We were spending quite a lot of time on the Isle of Wight whenever we could. So we just made the leap. But at that point, there was it, it wasn't you didn't come back to take over the garlic farm. No, that wasn't really how it happened. At the time, we there was a great general manager who was working at the farm, a great family friend, Tom Honeyman Brown, and he was doing a fantastic job and had really, you know, sown the seeds of what the garlic farm is now today. And so when we come, came back, he was still doing that job, but it became very quickly clear that he actually was looking for an opportunity to leave and go and work in his family business at Tatnall Farm. So he suggested that we, you know, take on the role. Well, your father tells me this story as well. Um, I always speak to someone about um, the person I'm going to interview, try and speak to someone close to them. Obviously, your dad, Colin Boswell, is very, very well known on the island. Um, So I rang him up and said, I just want to find out, you know, what's so brilliant about your daughter. He said she's bright, she's interested, she's highly numerate, she's passionate about the family and the business, and her product knowledge is extremely good. And when I said... You know, was it was it always obvious that she was going to take over? He said, no, not really. <laughs> but when uh, the managing director left, he said to, uh, to, to your dad, there's only one person that's suitable for this job, and that's your daughter. And he said it was like a light bulb moment. And of course, it had to be you. Well, that's very generous of them both. <laughs> I feel like the timing was right for all of us and it was very very fortunate for Barnes and I that there was this incredible opportunity to take on a family business that had so much going for it and a lot of exciting opportunities for us. 
And as a partnership, I mean, it really is perfect for you guys, because as you said, you know, Barnes comes from this very high level background in marketing. Um, and that's actually something your 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 dad was saying. He said Barnes is absolutely key to this. He's a top marketing guy. He doesn't do things by halves. They complement each other incredibly well. So how much is that partnership um, you know, helping make your life work here? I think it's absolutely key. And when we take a step back, which we don't very often because we're often so fully involved and immersed in the thing that we well, don't really ref reflect <laughs> yeah. too much on it. But really, I feel that we are happy working together. We complement each other, like you say. Uh, we obviously, ha it has its challenges like any family business would, but something about understanding exactly where we're at, what those challenges are, we are working together on it and with the rest of the family. Uh, it's very enriching and it's complex like any business is and I feel like the complexity, the diversity is all part of this richness that we're very grateful to have in our lives. And how involved is, is your dad still in the business? He is very much still around. Mum and dad still live in the farmhouse which is right next to the shop and restaurant. Uh, dad is very much the chairman founder uh, and the figurehead that uh, the the whole business looks to really uh, he's created this wonderful mad diverse thing that uh, we have all taken in various different directions and although he's not operationally uh, involved in the in the day-to-day -day, he's very much still around and still there giving advice and being the garlic expert I mean, the garlic farm, is, it is a massive operation now. And I feel like it really puts the island on the map. In fact, producer Alex was saying, you know, he went to somewhere in Bristol quite recently. He's nodding at me and they were talking garlic farm produce. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it, it is something that in a way the island has become known for. Uh, you employ 90 people. I mean, that's mm. massive. Yes, it has grown a lot. And that's across a lot of different business activities. We've developed in lots of different areas and we do sell garlic from products garlic and other products uh, all over the UK and and we, not just the UK I mean now yes Europe. we have started exporting a little as well and it's really uh, everything supports each part of the business supports the other and it's fantastic to have people able to come and visit us on the Isle of Wight and then go home and support us by buying their products elsewhere and vice versa. So we feel that this is um, this is really helpful to our business. Yeah, so having having the sort of front to it, because mm -hmm. you, you're on the tourist map as well, aren't you? Mm. You're, you're one of the big attractions on the island. In fact, we came here uh, for a cup of coffee uh, with the kids on the weekend, and it's always so lovely to come here and a real treat. The shop and the restaurant, that's all local produce. How important is that? Very much so and becoming more so, I would say. We are fully aware of how important our business is to the local community and how much we can give back in that way. We try to um, source as many local products as possible and support our local suppliers. And yes, I, I think this is something that our customers want as well. Obviously, things were tricky during the pandemic. I mean, mm. particularly for tourist attractions. Mm. But how did you guys weather mm. the the sort of financial issues of the pandemic? 
Yes, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was very, very scary, especially for tourist businesses like ours. Uh, but I am so proud of what our team managed to achieve during that time because the people who remained working at the time really went above and beyond. As you can imagine, our, our shop and restaurant completely closed. A uh, lot of people uh, were on furlough and the website and the wholesale business absolutely boomed during that time as people were buying more local products, more online. People were going to their farm shops and delis in their local areas, which is the kinds of shops that we supply primarily. And so it was a difficult time, but actually it really proved to us that having a diverse business with um, lots of different things going on and having a diverse workforce who were really committed uh, meant that we were able to serve people then when our shop and restaurant reopened and the Isle of Wight suddenly there was a flood of people coming to the Isle of Wight during the summer of 2020 and 2021 then our team in the shop and restaurant the customer facing team really had to step up and they achieved incredible things. How much do you think or see that slowing down now? Or do you think, I mean, I've always thought that that pandemic time actually put the Isle of Wight on the map and mm. gave us a brand status that I think, you know, rivals Cornwall, mm -hmm. Cotswold, Isle mm -hmm. of Wight. I, I'm really bullish about the Isle of Wight. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Oh, I think it's a huge opportunity for the Isle of Wight and we're heading in that direction anyway, but the pandemic has fast forwarded that. I think having a biosphere status is something that's been largely overlooked, but could be something that we can really bring as part of the Isle of Wight brand. The Isle of Wight has a huge amount to offer and I think now more people have recognised that, that we can really build on that for the future. You talk about the biosphere, um, but also for you, sustainability, mm. um, really important. I know you've been mm. focusing on it. So what can you tell us about what's coming up for you in that kind of area? Yeah, so this is a journey that we've been on, I think, probably since when, you know, since the beginning. It's something that's been close to our hearts as a family for, for forever, really. Uh, and driving the way that we look after our land, uh, the way that we look after people, the way that we interact with the community. Uh, and more recently, we have been working towards having some accreditations to go with these these things um, which has also driven us up to um, these goals much more much faster so we have just achieved our organic status for all of the land that we own so the land that we own at the garlic farm is now fully organic and so our first crop of organic garlic will be harvested this year that feels like a big deal it's it's a huge deal. The the team who've uh, managed to achieve this, and so Barnes has been driving this and getting more involved in the farming side himself as well. They've they've done a lot. It's it's a lot of work, and it's a huge commitment, and it's a commitment to a different set of values, um, and a way to feel like we can have an impact through the way that we farm. And will you have a different range of products that will kind of shoot off from that? How will it work? So this is a process and I think it's it's something that we need to work on for quite a lot longer for everything to be consistent with this organic status. So that's not going to happen immediately. And another certification you've been working on really hard is the B Corp. Mm -hmm. What can you tell me about that? 
So B Corp is a globally recognized sustainability accreditation. We've been working on it for quite some time now. It covers not only environmental, but all of the impacts that you have as a business across all your different stakeholders. So it is very inclusive of everything that you do as a business. And it it has the power to fundamentally change the way you do business. And so it is making sure that when you're doing business, we are doing business for people, planet and profit. And all of those things are considered in all of our decision making. And we have just submitted for <laughs> our B Corp accreditation. And so we hope to achieve that this year. And how many other businesses on the island would have that accreditation? Well, I know that the uh, Isle of Wight Distillery has already uh, got their B Corp accreditation, which is fantastic. And I know that there are others that are in the process of uh, accrediting as well. So this is a brilliantly strong piece for the Isle of Wight, especially in the food and drink area. And how linked are you with, I mean, there's so many other businesses. I mean, just off the top of my head, you, you talked about the Isle of Wight Distillery. There's the Isle of Wight Cocktail Company. We interviewed Charlotte Legg with Duxmoor Botanics on the podcast last season. Uh, how linked are, are you all as a kind of force on the island? How often do you get together and kind of talk about the future of the island? Well, I think the island food producers are very well connected. We work very closely with the tomato store, with the Isle of Wight distillery, with these bigger Isle of Wight food brands. And I think that we're very much aligned on the stories that we want to tell about the Isle of Wight and the Isle of Wight being a foodie destination. This is something that's coming together and... I think we could probably do more. We could probably, um, you know, talk with a more united voice. But the, you know, with the effort is is there, and there is a lot of collaboration, which I think is quite a new thing. People are collaborating more than they ever did before. Yeah, I can't not mention the Garlic Festival, which mm -hmm. is obviously a massive institution mm. on the island, which you guys obviously have a mm. huge part in um a, a story that I don't think I've ever told you before when I was about 20 I met Rick Stein mm. on a holiday mm. and he said to me oh we're making a, a program about food and you know we want to come see Isle of Wight but there's nothing on the Isle of Wight for food I said yes there is we have a garlic festival <laughs> <laughs> and he was in what right. garlic festival and I, I was really um disappointed because I said to him if you do come can you let me know and I'll come and be a runner or you know I'll come and work for free because I really wanted to work in television and they never let me know but they did come they did come oh, yes no. it was before I came back to the Isle of Wight but I remember uh, they were filming with dad and oh thank you very much no, for helping Rick Stein come uh, and film with us <laughs> did, it, did it make a difference at the time was it a big deal did it oh yes all of these kinds of television features of which we've been very lucky that garlic I think sort of draws the TV yeah. crowd somehow and we have had quite a lot of um, celebrity chefs come and speak to us over the years and it does make a huge difference yeah, yeah amazing um the the final thing that I asked your dad was um you're looking nervous now <laughs> is <laughs> no with dad <laughs> um, I asked your dad how safe is the future of the garlic farm in Tasha's hands oh. and he had one word answer very oh well uh Yes, I am very lucky to have such a supportive, Barnes and I both actually, we have a very supportive family. Uh, like I've said before, it's a huge family and team effort. You know, we are um, all part of this and we're all working on it together and we could not do it without each other. 
Okay, finally on the episode, we ask all of our guests a quick fire round of five things about the island. So are you ready? Ready? (laughs) Okay, number one, your favourite place to grab a bite to eat. So I am really fond of Chibo in Wootton. It's a really lovely restaurant. The Hamid, who, who runs that and a number of other restaurants on the Isle of Wight, has done a brilliant job. The menu's great. It's a cosy atmosphere. It's a sort of Mediterranean. Mediterranean. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's one to check out. Um, number two, your favourite beach? It's got to be Priory Bay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure too. that this has been mentioned before. Um, well, we slightly tweaked the questions mm-hmm. from last season. So we never said favourite beach. So no, we haven't had Priory Bay. That is the first time. But that yes. would be my answer as well. So... For two reasons, if I'm allowed to say. Yeah. Uh, so we have spent a lot of time there pottering around in our boat. And it's one of our favourite things to do is to get in the boat with a picnic. And our boat's brilliant because you can, you can beach it. You can bring the centreboard up and pull it right up onto the beach. So climb out, have a picnic and potter around on Priory Bay, which has got to be one of the most, the most beautiful and ancient beaches uh, of the Isle of Wight. And the other reason is that uh, Barnes and I, for our honeymoon, we sailed around the Isle of Wight in our Drascom lugger. And as we, we, we set off from Seaview and we had quite an adventure, uh, as you can imagine. <laughs> and we sailed all the way around the Isle of Wight over a few days, camping on beaches and various things. And as we came back, um, Priory Bay came into view and the sun was shining onto the beach and... It was like coming to, I couldn't think of anywhere that I would rather be than on the Isle of Wight for my honeymoon. I love that you honeymooned here. That's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Okay, number three, your number one island activity. She's looking at me. Too difficult a choice. Um, do you know what? There are so many different things that I love one. doing on the Isle of Wight that I. it's very hard to say one, but I do love... Just in our immediate location, there is so much incredible uh, countryside. And so even just walking from our house, whether it be along the cycle track uh, in either direction in the early morning with the mist hanging in the valley there across the marshes, it's absolutely stunning. It is the most beautiful part of the island here, Mm. isn't it? Number four, which island charity is closest to your heart? So for the last few years, we've been working with an organisation called Care in the Garden. And we are very fond of what they do. They work with, they're based near Wootton. And they work with people who would otherwise find it difficult to get into the workplace and maybe need a little bit of support. And we do a buddy scheme with them whereby we have people working with us who work with a buddy. And so they come and they have their care worker with them. And it's been a great partnership. It's allowed people to really transform their lives. Sounds great. And number five, so your hidden gem, this is another new question. So somewhere specific, somewhere off the beaten track people might not know about. So recently I have discovered down in Sandown, which is not a sort of Sandown Lake area, which is not somewhere that gets a very um, good reputation a lot of the time. Yeah, quite wrongly, actually. Uh, but it's, it's a, a beautiful bay. bay. It's a fantastic area. Exactly. It's a beautiful bay. And if you go down to the pier and turn right and walk along the seafront, there is a lovely little cafe called Finn's, which is run by um, 
uh, two girls, one of whom used to work at the garlic farm for quite a long time, and they are doing an amazing job. And somehow it's always peaceful. The sun's always shining down there and they serve delicious breakfast. Okay, the next coffee we have together, I want it to be at Finn's. Um, Natasha, thank you so much. It's been amazing to get to know you even better and hear your island story. If you want more island news, you can sign up for my weekly email newsletter, 5-stories.co.uk. I'm Harriet Hadfield. My producer is Alex Warren. You'll find us on Instagram at Island Stories Podcast. This season, the podcast is going fortnightly, so we'll have another episode for you in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye.